welcome to Viral, a podcast about the history of plagues, disease outbreaks, and the public health workforce whose behind-the-scenes science and policy help keep us all safe and healthy. I am Quinn Lundquist. My co-host, Lindsay Grove, is not here for the intro, but you will hear her during our interview in just a few minutes. Today, we are happy to share with you a chat we had with two members of an organization called Physicians for Social Responsibility, or PSR, as you will hear us call them frequently. PSR advocates using their medical and public health expertise to uh, advocate on issues like preventing nuclear war and nuclear proliferation, reversing our trajectory towards climate change, and protecting the public and our environment from toxic chemicals, all things that we are very much in favor of. You will hear, well, I do not want to spoil it, but you'll hear some very interesting background information about how the organization was created, and because I know you were wondering... Yes, it does involve milk. Not going to do an outro today, so I will just get all of this stuff out of the way up front. If you are interested in environmental health, we did an episode a while back about childhood lead exposure, and we've also talked about the history of the River Thames in London and how gross it used to be. So check those out. Also, follow us on Twitter, which is at at Viral Podcast, all one word, or Facebook, or on our website, www.viral-pod.com. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so more people can find the show. And uh, last but not least, our intro and outro music is Take Your Medicines by the Quick and Easy Boys. All right, let's get to our chat with Maria Scambati and Carson Bell from Physicians for Social Responsibility talk about our fracking coalition so these were sort of promote health ban fracking nice very good rubber bracelets so you're promoting fracking yeah we're promoting fracking (laughs) pro fracking -fracking. we just love that fracking did i say promote fracking (laughs) i probably did because i was reading it it says promote solar yeah it's just just really really pro fracking we're really pro fracking it's really hard to say pro fracking Especially if you've watched Battlestar Galactica, because frack is used in the same way that the F word is used, and oh, they're like, frack you! So it's... Oh. That could make a whole good <laughs> podcast about... <laughs> the uses of the word fracking in different uh, circles. Yeah, Maybe the guy who started fracking was just a really big... Battlestar Galactica. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It would not surprise me. It would I think not. he was in what? Wasn't it like Kentucky or something? I don't know. <laughs> actually, yeah, I'm like, I actually don't know as much about It, it did become kind of awkward when the show Archer, which the main organization was called ISIS. Oh, yeah. That was at UF. ISIS.UFL.edu. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Did they have to change that? They did. It's they now did. one dot. US or US. <laughs> that was our that was our website that we logged into yeah, for our, I, our all US students are just googling ISIS to get our <laughs> we're all on a watch list oh everything boy. was on ISIS yeah yikes okay mm-hmm. but that, that but that was before the other ISIS 
And then during. I know. <laughs> I think you should have written them a letter and just said, you know, you have to Guys, find another name because we've got it and... We're already using yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you get fracking. <laughs> but that's also a name of, like, I know it's one of my of teacher's daughters. Yeah, one of my teacher's yeah. daughters is yeah. named Isis. Yeah. yeah. One of, one of my wife's goddess. friends from childhood is named Isis. <laughs> so, hey man. She was probably there first. Maybe. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. It's not fair. You're right, it's not fair. All right, so we want to you want to do this thing? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I I've, I've been uh, recording. I figured. So. Oh great. No, we haven't said anything like highly inappropriate happening. Besides talking about ISIS, it's Just, cool. Though. We've only <laughs> talked about ISIS. And it's recorded now, so it's cool. <laughs> um Okay, so why don't you both introduce yourselves and um, and talk and, and introduce um, physicians for social responsibility? Great. Well, do you want to introduce yourself first, and then I'll talk about sure. the organization a little bit? Uh, my name is Carson Bell, and uh, I'm currently a master's of public health student at USF in the global health department. Um, I grew up in Daytona, moved to Gainesville, went to UF, go Gators, go Gators, <laughs> and now I'm here. So. Um, just doing school my whole life so far. <laughs> what did you study at UF? I undergrad? did sustainability studies oh, from cool. my undergrad. It was mm. very cool. I did a, it was an anthropology track, so the sustainability of like culture and how to keep, you know, indigenous languages alive when we have globalization. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's very cool. Super cool. I, I uh, minored in anthropology when I was there. Oh, cool. So, yeah. Cool. We might have had some similar professors Possibly. whose names I definitely Yeah, I don't remember, remember and it's only been <laughs> now, like maybe a year and a half. So I worked there for a while and Ken Sassaman was one of the anthropologists and archaeologists we worked with. That name sounds familiar. Yeah. I just remember that the Turlington building, which is where mm-hmm. a lot of the anthropology and the humanities classes were housed, was an impenetrable dungeon. It was built during the 70s, so students couldn't uh, overtake the university or something during ride. That's what they sure, say. Sure, 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 sure. But it is, like, wow. impossible to find anywhere mm-hmm. in that building. Yeah. doesn't make any sense, yeah. and it's, it's easy to get lost. Sense. It's like sideways stories for wayside school sort of thing. Wow. Please explain. Another obscure reference. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I want to be there to support you. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. What, what is that? Um, it's a kid's book about a school that's really weird. And like, there's a like the there's a thirteenth floor that like no one can get to. And Ooh, do you know? What I'm no, I don't know it, but oh I love God. it already. Yeah, it's like there's like a thirteenth floor that like no kid can get to unless they accidentally stumble upon this like alternative dimension that will get you to the thirteenth floor. It's it's so good. So it's a little bit like the room of a requirement. Yeah, but uh, weirder, sure. Without okay. like the magic, I don't know. Very good. Sorry about that reference. Uh, <laughs> it all comes back. Yeah, to right? Oh, goodness. Well, anyways, that's me. I'm weird. Sideways stories. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm a lot older, so I might have more weirder, just more, not more weirder, but more sideways stories. So my name is Maria Scambati, and I, uh, I grew up in Florida. And, um, and then left to go to college and then went on to go to medical school at Wake Forest University in North Carolina. 
And then was trying to figure out what to do next. Uh, you know, I thought about practicing. I thought about academia. But after a year of practice, I uh, ended up moving to Washington, D.C. to work for the National Institutes of Health, which was a very, very cool job. After I just I got into an argument with one of my professors in training and said, I shouldn't I don't belong at the NIH. I don't want to go there. And then I went up on an interview and I'm like, I really like it up here. So. Um, that was a great opportunity for me, and I really enjoyed it. I got to learn a lot. I got to work on national and international uh, studies, which was really cool. I worked on them um, initially on um, family cancer syndrome, so understanding uh, inherited cancer syndromes, particularly I was focusing on leukemia and lymphoma. So, for example, a lot of people have heard about inherited breast cancer syndromes, but at that time, we were still trying to map genes, and this was actually, I'm going to reveal my age, before the sequencing of the human genome. <laughs> so the human genome was in the process of being sequenced, so everybody was trying to find genes that caused family cancer syndromes. Well, that wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long yeah. ago. No. I'm not as old as I make it out to be. Well, yeah, and it's actually, that brings up a good point about it really was not that long ago. No. We make it seem like it was like, oh, it was around the time that we had, you know, the... The, the new anatomic model, but no, it was right. Really it was later like than that. Twenty, because it was. I went there in nineteen ninety eight, and it was like three or four years later that the yeah. human genome was sequenced. So it's a part of the history book you never get to because it's at the end, and your teachers never <laughs> get all the way to the end. So it wasn't that long ago. No, it's not that long ago. So you're not that old. Don't don't. Do I'm that not to that old. Right. Right. So. Then what happened after that? Oh, so then I was there for September 11th and this, that, and the other thing. And I was at work one day and I said, I want a job where I can wear my bathing suit to work. But really I was, so that was partially true. And I didn't see that happening at the NIH. And um Not usually. It's kind of a funny conversation. Yeah, I figured, yeah, not usually. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, casual Fridays. Casual Fridays. Yeah. <laughs> Like real casual Fridays. <laughs> I did work with somebody. He had a hammock out on his balcony, and he would lie out on the hammock during his break. Balconies. We had balconies. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, well, we were out like in the suburbs of Washington D.C. in these buildings that we were National Institute of Hammocks. National Institute. Research. We put you at ease. So, um, so that was sort of the beginning of me moving into doing some environmental work, but also me moving back to Florida. So I've been gone from Florida for more than 30 years and really, um, I mean, to be honest with you, I just wanted to be able to have the ability to swim in warm, salty water most days of the year. And, um, you missed, you missed sweating. I miss sweating. I, I, <laughs> the smell of the swamp people. The smell of the yeah. swamp people. I did miss it. I thought I'd never come back. So anyhow, I moved back five years ago and was living on a small island uh, for four years, which was really wonderful. And um, and then I moved to Tampa a year ago, and I'd known about po- for positions for social responsibility. Um, and I think I'd been a member when I was a student, but not very actively involved. But I moved here and. Um, and got more involved. So, so Physicians for Social Responsibility Florida was started in the 19, it's not for Florida, but the national organization was started in the 1960s. So, um, it's been around for quite a long time. And the story of how it started had to do with the atmospheric nuclear weapons testing that was going on in the 50s and 60s. And pediatricians and dentists were seeing lots of young kids who were coming in with modeled teeth. And they they didn't know what was going on, but they knew what they were seeing was somewhat of an anomaly. And so they 
these, you know, these teeth were not viable and they show teeth were getting extracted and they did an analysis of the teeth and lo and behold, they found radioactive fallout, an, an element called strontium-90 in the kids' teeth. Yeah. And the theory is, so when the atmospheric nuclear weapons testing was happening, you know, people were blowing up nuclear weapons in the sky and saying, that's great, we've made a better bomb. And everybody just assumed that that radiation... People knew there was probably radioactive fallout. They thought it was just like kind of floated away. Yeah, into floated space. away. It was like a balloon. They, they never saw it again. Exactly, yeah. Quinn. They thought it would float away into space. It's it wouldn't just be a problem gone now. But the exact opposite. We now know the exact opposite oh, happened. Man, gravity. It fell to Earth. Fell on the grass. Cows ate the grass. The strontium ninety passed into their milk. The kids drank the milk. Oh. And the strontium ninety is a lot like. I, I'm sure it has a half life of like a thousand years or something. It, I don't know the half life of it, but because it mimics calcium, it's taken up in the bones. So strontium ninety oh actually gosh. has a therapeutic use in cancer. But in this case. That was why it was in the kids' teeth. Now, was so, this like uh, widespread, or was it localized to certain areas where oh, that's testing good, had happened? I think it was fairly widespread because that's when it kids, gets caught up in an air current or something, right? Because we now know that that nuclear that uh, radioactive fallout can spread across oceans, as we saw with. Um, I'm trying to think what it uh, the. Chernobyl. Chernobyl. I think mm-hmm. that happened. There was a lot of that in Chernobyl. So yeah, they knew it was like drifting. Up and then like across the Arctic. I think. And because of, partly because of this, one of the health advisories that was issued around Chernobyl is sort of when they knew where the cloud was drifting was don't drink milk. Because huh. we now knew that the radioactive oh. fallout was going to get concentrated by animals. So yeah, a butterfly flaps its wings in Africa and it causes a hurricane. Here oh we drop a nuclear God. bomb oh my goodness. in Arizona. And, and I think Do not that, drink that milk. That this is why Carson's saying like why it makes sense to start talking about global health as planetary health. Because it's not just people. Yeah. It's all oh, these 100%. things that, that basically it's humans doing this stuff to the planet. And then the, these intricate interconnections, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly the butterfly example, Quinnivet Wack. So, so public health officials in this country as well as around the world got together then around that to help ban atmospheric nuclear weapons testing. So one of our proudest achievements is that work was published in the New England Journal of Medicine and had a lot of high-profile activity in the 60s. But more importantly, it led to the awarding of across these all these joint groups. We won a Nobel Peace Prize for that work, wow. the organization. Um, so, so then... So the National Organization has been around for a long time. That's very, very cool. So the National Organization has been around for quite a while, and then we actually have, I think, 33 or 32 state chapters. So the Florida chapter started 10 years ago in 2008, and it was formed by Dr. Lynn Ringenberg, who's still quite actively involved, and she was a pediatrician in the area, Dr. Don Melman and Mary Beth Dunn, who's currently our executive director and has a, is a master's in public health. Um, so they really at that time, so what happened is our work has shifted focus. The national organization is still very, very active in uh, nuclear weapons because overall we, we have a kind of a couple mission statements, but our overall tagline is to prevent what we cannot cure. But we also really try to work on the gravest threats to human health. And because we still have nuclear weapons around and, you know, they're subject to the people who think, 
can use them, we still work on nuclear weapons. A and big it's deal. very relevant to what's going on right now. It's very Singapore. relevant. <laughs> exactly. And so because that's kind of conflict-driven, there's still mm-hmm. that possibility of kind of the use of nuclear weapons and the harm that, you know, and it's not just the immediate harm, mm-hmm. as we saw in, like, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but the enduring legacy and the enduring harm to kind of human beings and lots of living systems on the planet is quite long. So we really are still quite engaged on that front. But in the 90s, people, the organization began to get much more concerned about the the growing conversation around climate change and human health. Right? Wow. So we got engaged in that. And that sort of led to the forming of the Florida chapter. Actually, it started out as the Tampa Bay chapter in 2008, and then five years ago it became, became a statewide chapter. So oh, now we have a state cool. steering committee. I'm on the steering committee. And we have members in a number of districts around the state. And So, it, so is it is it like a, a an association that physicians join, oh. or is it something that like non-physicians join, or... How, yes. how do um, people get into this? this yeah, work? so we have a membership-based organization. I'm so glad you used the word physicians because even though it was started by physicians, we now go by the acronym PSR, and we have an inclusive. It includes all health professionals. Oh. You don't even have to have a health background. Anybody can be a member. People for social responsibility. People for social. Oh, I like it. Maybe right. that's how we should change it. People yeah. for social responsibility. Get to keep the acronym. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we talk broadly about engaging all health professions and public health. The public health voice is critical. Um, and one of the things we really realize is that the public health, the cl- clinical health voice, it's so critical in policy to kind of have that voice at the yes. table. Just like you said, the work that you're doing in this, in the locally in the city, to have that public health voice saying, as Carson said, that stop sign is public health. Everything is public health, and to begin to point that all out to people. Hashtag so, this is public health. Hashtag this is public health. Ah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so right, so anybody can join. We have a, a member, a membership base, and then we do fundraising activities and. Um, Carson may tell you about some of those later on she's gotten engaged in. Cool. And so so what's some of the work that you're doing locally? I know you said, I mean, now it was the Tampa Bay and now it's the Florida. So tell us all about So that. we are so happy. Uh, I just want to give a big shout out to the Foundation for a Healthy St. Pete. Uh, we applied for and got a grant this year to do a program called Climate and Health. Call to action. Call to action. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I can talk about that, and then maybe this is a good opportunity. To, Carson's been very engaged in that. Yeah. So it really has two big components. One is uh, we want to try to raise awareness of, uh, 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 for physicians and clinical practices because that's where patients come in and have a first contact point. So one is we're using a tool called My Green Doctor, which was developed by one of our board members, Todd Sachs, and it's actually... A, a, a web-based tool that has seven workbooks designed for clinicians where you can go through and green your practice. Cool. So we wanted to take that into practices actively. For the most part, it's been you come to the website, you sign up, you do all the stuff yourself. So we were really interested to know that if we went into clinical practices and we had a mentorship program and people coming in to check on them and stuff like that, how would that uh, help them get engaged better? So that's one of the things in the toolkit. The other thing is we have some materials called Climate Change Makes Me Sick, and there's a little 
picture of one here on this brochure yeah. that are educating people about heat stress and the effects of that, uh, vector-borne diseases and climate. Mm -hmm. uh, water quality. Water quality, yeah. And then we also are interested, so we're bringing in some of those educational materials both to educate the staff and the patients. Um, and what else am I missing, Carson? Am I, uh, I think one of the big things, too, is we're working um, in South Pinellas County. Mm -hmm. um, and part of the grant was talking about how, you know, it's it's always the, not the poorest people, but the people with the least amount of resources that, you know, you know they receive the worst of, you know, what climate change has mm -hmm. or does to mm -hmm. us. So our goal was by talking and helping doctor's offices in those areas to become more spokespeople for their patients. In turn, it would help not only the offices become more green and save money and have some more sustainable practices, but also pass that on to their patients. Because as a doctor, you know, you're trusted in society, people respect you, and they have such sway over their patients. So in order, and if they really say they're about you know, making their patients healthy and preventing diseases for them, they really need to start including more this environmental aspect. I think the hardest part, what she was saying, the migraine doctor program online is that if anyone's ever worked in a doctor's office or been to a doctor's office or seen one, it's so, they're so busy, you know, they work all the time and it's really hard for them to do anything let alone other than, you know, something like this. So for us to go in, provide mentorship, um, to these areas and to these offices, um, we're hoping that it creates a better, um, more lasting change. So, is it called migraine? Green. <laughs> migraine. Green. I kept hearing migraine. <laughs> I was like, climate change will give you a we'll headache. Give yeah. you a headache. <laughs> yeah. Migraine doctor. Migraine doctor. Mm -hmm. Dot org. So, so it's kind of like it. It seems like it ties very much into environmental injustice, right? When we talk about you know, marginalized communities, especially, you know, here in South St. Petersburg. Um, you know, these are people that, shockingly, a lot of South St. Pete is actually, like, pretty high ground. So if we're talking about sea level rise, like, that's okay. But, you know, we think about things like gentrification and pushing people out. You know, um, those are things that a lot of times, like, those people can't necessarily, com you know, completely control because mm -hmm. that has to do with income inequality and that sort of thing. But, um, but is there any sort of policy aspect to this? Like, or I'm sorry, I guess what I mean is advocacy. So, mm -hmm. getting people to advocate to their policymakers about policies that might impact them regarding climate change. Yeah, so there's, in these seven workbooks, there's different subjects. So there's energy efficiency, renewable energy, um, health in your diet. And in all of these, there's action steps that you can take. So you could do things like um, installing LED lights or, you know, having a water audit comes to see how much water you use. But in every single workbook, there's also um, steps, write a letter to your local congressman, um, talk to your patients about air quality and water quality. Um, so there's all these advocacy, advocacy steps, and our goal is to can kind of hopefully continue this project and work on that more advocacy side in terms of empowering a community to, you know, fight for their, for their health of their community and themselves. So that's a, definitely a big aspect that we're hoping to kind of push further to in the future. 
Yeah, so those were the three key pieces in working with the clinical practices around this grant, the advocacy, mm-hmm. patient education materials, and greening yeah. of the offices. And then the other big component of the grant is going around and giving public talks on climate and health, so really trying to raise the general public awareness. And, and um, as you've mentioned, from the, the foundation works all in the South St. Pete area, so we're really focusing all of our efforts here. Mm-hmm. So you were going to say something, Carson, I think you... Um. I forgot. Okay. Hopefully <laughs> we'll come back. Yeah, so we should come back it. to that. Yeah. Um, so what kind of lessons have you learned? Because, it's you know, climate change is a tough, tough topic to try and um, convene, you know, partners from different sectors around. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, like, Sierra Club, environmentalists, they're all about it. But when you talk to physicians they might not necessarily see the connection between health and climate. And they're super busy. And they're super busy, right? Right. So, so what are some of the lessons that you've learned when you've, when you've tried to go for, you know, maybe what we might consider unconventional partnerships? So I think, go ahead. Well, I was just, when, I mean, I became interested and in, I saw the job mm-hmm. listing, but I was interested in what, as soon as I saw physicians for social responsibility, I immediately thought, well, that's weird. That's like, a, you know, that doesn't make any sense because growing up, physicians to me in my life that surrounded me were more conservative, less environmentally focused. And I'm like, wow, there's actually, there's doctors out there that care about the environment. And, you know, there's, we talk about, we talked about the silos of, mm-hmm. you know, your job and how you want health in all aspects of, of your life. And it, it is especially weird to think of, doctors, the whole point is to help people be healthier. And climate change just is so intricately, it is so compl- it's so connected to someone's health that it's amazing that all doctors wouldn't think that way. But, you know, climate change has become such a political, hopefully less now than in the past, but it's such a divisive argument a lot of times. And so... For us, we always go at it. It's I think the best thing is to go at it from the health aspect, the, exactly. also the fiscal aspect. You will save money doing this by reducing your the cost of your you know the energy that you have by recycling more, paying less for your trash service, um, using less water, ins- installing um, things to help insulate your home better, your office better, but also the health aspect. I mean, that's I think that's one of the things that's been kind of something that can help bridge, and that's why this program is so perfectly aligned to help connect with those unconventional partnerships is because we're looking at it's for people. It's not for, it's not because I love, though it's important. It's not because I love the earth and I want to stay the way it is. It's because I want people to be healthy mm-hmm. and that's connected and you can't ignore and, that side of it. Right. And people can see that, right? Mm-hmm. Like they can tell when they're getting a lot more mosquito bites or when they've, you know, gotten Zika, right. Versus, right. Oh, well, I guess there's sea level rise, but I, I don't know if I can see that over time, you know? Yeah. And it's seasonal. Yeah. 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 And Aegis aegypti, which is a super annoyingly complex Mm -hmm. word for just a type of mosquito, causes Zika, dengue, yellow fever, all bad diseases that kill you and kill millions of people across the world. Yep. And they're here. There's Mm -hmm. habitats here all throughout Florida all throughout Pinellas County, all throughout Hillsborough County, that, you know, it's possible. You can get Zika. You can get mm-hmm. all these diseases, and it's our job to help educate the community more about it because unless you go to school and learn about Aegis aegypti mosquitoes, it's hard to sometimes connect those two. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think one of the things that's, uh, I mean, it, the, the effects of the environment on health is sort of part of that bigger picture, right? And so I was with Lynn Ringenberg up in Hernando County a few months ago and had a really eye-opening meeting. We were, She was giving a talk to the Sierra Club, and one woman at the end said, I had no idea the environment was so connected to human health. And I got to tell you, I sat there and I go, I cannot believe, you know, so first of all, it was really helpful because I think that is the average thought about what is people, you know, as Carson talked about the mosquitoes, they look at the mosquitoes and people know they can get diseases from mosquitoes, but they don't see all the intricate connections that lead to mosquitoes being here and what, what's happening. So, so really that was an eye-opening moment for me about talking broadly about environment and health. And then within that, the effects that are, we're seeing now that are from climate change. And so I think the biggest challenge is sort of how broad the effects are and how they're, they're actually seeing, we're just seeing an increase of some things that have been happening already. So, mm-hmm. for instance, heat stress-related things. So heat stroke, mm-hmm. heat stress. Um, we're seeing more hot days, more prolonged hot periods. We're probably going to see more, more heat stress than that. And that's related to a, the, you know, the planet warming up. And, um, and hurricanes. And yes, hurricanes and, and yes, storm surge and water, yeah. you know, waterborne illnesses or people walking bigger. through. Yeah, so all of it, I think it's all the relatedness of it. And then the bigger thing is, you know, all the projections, having sat in a meeting yesterday with the Tampa Bay Regional Planning Council where somebody from NASA Goddard had flown into the meeting to talk to them about oh, wow. changing storm network and how... Tampa is the number one city in the U.S. that is most prone to storm surge. So storm surge oh is devastating. And we're extremely to... lucky that something hasn't happened, and we almost yes. had it happen last year with Irma. We got so, so lucky. I right. mean, and I think it, we, it was a wake-up call, for sure. Call. But And even if you're, you have, you know, you sit on a higher level, you have a higher elevation in your home, you know, all of the sea level rise, storm surge, it affects, because we have the, our aquifer system here, it still mm. affects your drinking water. Mm. So regardless of how high up, if you can live on a hill all you want, but you still drink tap water. Right. So it still, you know, affects you in some way. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing um, that even locally, um, the League of Women Voters, their sustainability committee, mm-hmm. they've looked at, you know, our water treatment and sanitation facilities are on the coast. Right. Mm-hmm. On um, in Pinellas County. So if we do have significant storm surge, that's going to really suck. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to be terrible. That's a lot of poop. So, you know, and the, and that's a yeah. planning issue. I mean, that's a huge planning issue. But also, you know, um, like you had said, yeah, you can live on a hill, but that's, you know, there's so many other utilities that are connected to you that are not, maybe not on that hill. Yeah. So, yep. But, um, so, I think this has been really good. Is there anything else that you guys want to add about the work that you're doing locally? Where can we find out information about uh, PSR? Yeah. And and your local chapter, if someone wants to get involved or is interested in finding out more about... um, And we'll include stuff in our show notes. Migraine doctors or or migraine doctors. Migraine doctors. Not migraine doctors. Or migraine doctors. We don't have any information about migraine doctors, no. (laughs) This was a pilot, and we hope to scale up this model. We're still doing some evaluations, but actually I know you have have a a national audience listening Mm -hmm. to the podcast. So 
my green doctor they could people could go on practices could go on and register and use it now but for more information on all of our programs you can go to www.psrflorida.org that's our website okay and or follow can... us on twitter or facebook oh that's yeah got that social media day yeah, carson has gotten us in this psr florida just search yeah. it. It's right there. And if you're yes. local, what can you do on June 23rd, oh, Carson? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I almost <laughs> forgot the plug. It's time for plugs. The plug. <laughs> um, it's Pints for the Planet, and we're, we'll be at Green Bench Brewery in St. Pete. Oh, cool. On Saturday from 4 to 8 p.m. on nice. the 23rd. 23rd. And you can come out. We'll have some raffle prizes. If you buy a beer, you can feel good about yourself because it will, will first of all, you're enjoying yourself. Yes. That's sure. a delicious beer. <laughs> Secondly, that's public health. That's, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Secondly, it, part of the, all proceeds from that night, part of them will go to PSR Florida. So. Oh, cool. awesome. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yes. All right. So mm-hmm. June 23rd? Yep. Mm-hmm. June 23rd, mm-hmm. which is a Saturday. Next, not the Saturday, the following Saturday. It's also Pride, so you might get a lot of people. Oh, mm-hmm. you're going to be yeah. slammed. Yeah. yeah. Great. Like, Look at that intersectionality. There's a Facebook event, so it's yeah. on our Facebook. We've shared it. Cool. Great. Yeah. Great. We, we'll link to that. Yeah, definitely. In our, in our show. And we just welcome every, I know you have a lot of uh, masters in public health students mm-hmm. who follow you in public health, so we just welcome them all to get involved either at a national level or if they're in a state where there's a state chapter of PSR to get involved and get engaged and see what they can do to you know, help lend their health voices to yeah. the efforts we're making. If you're in Tampa, we have a PSR student group, PSR Florida student group at USF. So anyone that's cool. interested, we're going to be bringing um, people to come and talk to medical students um, and public health students about climate change and, you know, how it's connected to health, um, this new topic. But, um, yeah, so that's awesome. So, and we have a new student chapter in Miami. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So on June 23rd, get an IPA for PSR. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, maybe maybe then in October you guys can do uh, PSLs for PSR at Starbucks. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a free one. These are new media relations. You're welcome. <laughs> I mean, IPA, when I saw a meme, it was like, IPAs are just PSLs for, like, white hipster dudes. Yep. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I was like, I'm in that category. It's, it's true. <laughs> So we always like to end the show with, um, you know, asking our guests, you know, what's something that you're enjoying right now? So that could be something you're reading or something mm-hmm. that you're watching uh, or maybe a hobby. So I don't know if you want to go, Carson, or you want to go, Maria? Um, I can go because I've yeah. had a little while to think about it, and then you can think because I got sent the question. Okay. I'll so um, <laughs> unless you know what you No, mean. you go. So I've um, so I actually meditate a lot. So most of the books oh, by awesome. my bedside are all these meditation books, and I go on retreats. But um, I've got braiding sweetgrass by my bed. I've never so that's sort of my bedside reading. And then I'm um, truthfully, I'm an avid fan of the planet, and I can't get enough of the wildlife corridor films where they're trying to build Ooh. connected corridors for wildlife to move around. And the last segment was just finished in Orlando. So I've been really interested in the people who are doing that. And, you know, I think it's it's sort of an interesting model of getting people engaged and whether or not we can do that around climate and health issues as well, taking people on these treks to show them stuff. So That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. kind of similar. Um, me and my fiancé have been walking at night for like 30 minutes, just walking around the neighborhood. We picked out our future houses. Nice. Checked it out. It just is a good way to unwind. I leave my phone at home. I don't get texts or emails. 
And it's really amazing the difference it can make, um, other than just, you know, checking your phone all yep. day, staying yes. plugged in. It's good to, pl- you know, pull the plug out a little bit, walk yeah. and kind of like learn about your neighborhood. So Very yeah. cool. Yeah. What about you, Lindsay? I mm. just finished reading a book called Circe. I, mm. as you all are aware, am a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Circe. She was a sorceress in um, the Odyssey. Uh, Odysseus landed on her island after he went through Scylla and Charybdis. He was trying to get back home. As he was trying to get back home to Ithaca, and um, she turned his men to pigs. Um, and luckily he convinced her, you know, to turn them back. But the book, well, yeah, (laughs) uh, to their real form. Um, but no, uh, the book is really about, uh, it's a retelling of Circe, kind of her life, um, from when she was born, she's a daughter of Helios, which is the god of the sun, to, um, because her story is very weird. Um, so I don't want to give too much away, but, um, but it's really good. It's a lot about, you know, um, it's kind of a feminist retelling of her story. So it was really, really good. The statute of limitations on Greek myths expires after like a thousand I, years. So yeah. you, you can't really spoil those <laughs> after a certain point. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's like a lot of like inner family relationships. Uh-huh. Um, but yes. <laughs> Isn't there a Cersei in Game of Thrones? Yes, yeah. but the Cersei in this book is way nicer. Okay. So yeah, yeah, right. There's a mind melt going. Yeah, on. right. Uh, so that's been I've been really enjoying that. So that's that's, that's my little my little nugget. What about you, Gwen? Um, I am reading a couple of books right now. One is called Swan Song, and it is a horror novel by Robert McCammon, and it's you know a light read about a post-apocalyptic hellscape. Um, Ooh. of course you're reading that. Yeah, in the aftermath of a nuclear war, and it provokes an evolution. Ten years from now. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. In, in humans, so oh, it's uh, terrifying and disturbing. Oh, so relevant to this entire episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm also reading a book by Bill Bryson called A Short History of Nearly Everything. Oh, I think, okay. It's very good, and it's a a nonfiction. It's just like really a history of science and Mm -hmm. knowledge and geology and astronomy and physics and chemistry and biology. It's like a little bit of everything, and it's it's good. I love those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little, I, a little taste of. I recommend this one because of its um, dry British humor. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. That yeah. always makes the apocalypse a little bit kind of feel a little bit safer. Yeah, because it's dry British humor. I find mm-hmm. calm, calm British voice. Right. To go right. with my apocalyptic hellscape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you both for yeah. being on the show and you know for talking about physicians or practitioners or people. people. For social responsibility um, and the work that you're doing sounds awesome and we hope that it you know it spreads so great yeah thank you so much mm-hmm. we'll leave you with our bling these are some bracelets we've been part of the florida Inch against Ooh. fracking i forgot to give the and uh awesome. so we've been uh not we've been promoting solar and we've really oh, been great. working in this state coalition to kind of promoting fracking we really seek we a ban on fracking. We're banning awesome, awesome solar powered fracking. fracking machines. <laughs> it takes the energy from the sun and then it 
uses that to break up rocks deep under the earth and pollute people's water supply. It's and cause revolutionary. It's really great. It is amazing. It's great. The yeah. Futurescape, the next sci-fi novel. Mm-hmm. This uh, last legislative session, we got the closest we ever have, I think, to making a real move on banning fracking in Florida and offshore fracking. So hopefully next, next session. We do have an amendment um, mm-hmm. on offshore drilling. Yep. Amendment 10? I believe it is. Mm-hmm. So, and banning public vaping. To subsidize <laughs> offshore drilling. Did it? I thought San Francisco. No. They are connected. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just banned vaping in public in San Francisco. But you like, can still smoke cigarettes. But like not as a constitutional amendment, no. as just a law. Yeah. Which is why this is real weird. Yeah. So oh boy. Yeah. Alright. Well, I think that's that's the end of this episode. Alright. Thank you all for listening.